Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. we got John Hawkins with us today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the regular radio show. And now's the kind of the fun part where I get to ask some other silly questions of John. Not really silly, but uh, not your typical golf magazine questions, put it that way. And so... Um, the the golf world has changed, John. You know that. You've covered it for a long time. Do you think it's, with all the discussion about distance and equipment and golf balls and all that stuff, do you think that really makes a difference? Or are we just dealing with better athletes, better equipment? And that's where we're at at this point in time. JT, I'm a big fan of bifurcation, which is a fancy word for two different sets of rules. Mm-hmm. One for the recreational, one for the recreational player, and one for the tour pro. I think that uh, I'm 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 no uh, I'm no genius, but I'm going to bet that you don't have any. I bet you don't feel like you're hitting the ball too far. No. I certainly don't. Um, I think that uh, it's two different. It's two different games. I mean, I've covered one and, and played the, the other for both done both for long periods of time. And um, I'm not even sure I think the ball's going too far at the at the at the highest level, at the game's highest level. Yes, they drive the ball ridiculous distances, but we don't see much of a change in scoring. Right. Uh, we're not seeing you know, we saw there were tournaments where twenty or twenty two under one back in the seventies and eighties. Uh, the golf courses were a little bit shorter. Yes, I think there's an uh, an endangerment factor in terms of, well, Colonial, you know, side of uh, the tour's return. I mean, is a golf course where there isn't a lot of room to make it longer. Uh, and certainly uh, you're going to see a lot of guys hitting, you know, flip wedges in the 450-yard par fours. But uh, there hasn't been much of a change in scoring. I think that they, the, the USGA and the uh, Royal and Ancient really need to ponder the the logicality and the and, and the pragmatic uh, benefits of, of two different sets of roles. There you go. What's the most fun, John, you've ever had covering a, a tournament, or especially a major? If you and Rude were sitting there and Jenkins was three rows back and – Canizaro's over here and so on and so on. You can name all the golf writers, but oh, what's the most yeah. fun you ever had? 
2004 Masters. One of the best golf tournaments, one of the best sporting events I've ever covered. I know I mentioned the uh, 97 Masters in the in the uh, other show, but uh, I tell you what, uh, watching Mickelson and Els, and there were others in there. KJ Choi made an eagle. Sergio made this incredible run earlier in the day. But watching those guys go at it, three groups apart, golf at its highest level. Mickelson was absolutely brilliant shot 31 on the final nine to beat Els at the buzzer with the famous uh, 15 footer in that four foot three inch four inch four inch vertically you talked about I, I think that was one of those where we just kept looking at each other and shaking our heads and laughing like little kids it was uh and and the 99 Ryder Cup certainly but that that was such a you know the U.S. was so far behind, and they just stormed <laughs> Europe with that binge early. It was happening so fast, you really didn't have time to to ponder it and discuss it amongst uh, each other. It yeah. Was, uh, that was a little bit of a different deal. But 04 was stretched out a little bit over time, and it had that re- remarkable ending of Nicholson making birdie on the final hole. I mean, I, I don't have the stat in front of God. Els, Eagle the eighth. Els made two Eagles, five birdies or something, and lost by one. Yes. In, in regulation. It, it, was, it was that kind of day. So was Phil's vertical leap more than four and a half inches? Because that's what it looked like to me. But I was just going to ask you. You know what? I watched the, uh, when, when, the, when the virus first kind of came down on us. I did my best to watch the uh, replays of the golf of the masters that week. And, you know, like uh, 97, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I had trouble sticking with it cause I knew what happened. I'd seen it, covered it, written it. Uh, but Oh four, I watched the entire deal and I watched Phil's vertical leap and I froze my television <laughs> at the precise moment. He reached, his leap reached its apex. And I'm going to say, I don't know if it was four inches, but it wasn't a millimeter over six. <laughs> I'll tell you what. But he spread his legs, too. Yeah. I mean, and he was still a little bit of, he was still a bit of, of hefty lefty back then. You know, he, oh, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't built for, for aerial carriage, shall we say. Yeah, I can relate to that. Mine's more like <laughs> ground transportation, you know. <laughs> so put it that yeah, way. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure I I could. I guarantee you, if I had to do a vertical leap, I'd have to do it off my left leg because my right one's on permanent vacation. Yeah, I get that. So you've written about tons of people over the years, um, everywhere from Spieth to Norman, Rory, DJ, whatever, with. Take Tiger out of the equation. Which player has left the biggest impression on you over the years? Oh, wow. I'll just try again to give you a stream of conscience answer. David Duvall is a fascinating guy, very bright, very interesting, very misunderstood for the most part. Fred Couples was just the, the coolest guy to hang around. I spent Two and a half. I spent two and a half days or two days at Fred's house in Santa Barbara back after he won in Houston in 03. It was his last tour victory. And I'll tell you what, 
there's no cooler a place to be than standing next to Fred Couples. Yeah. Uh, I... Kenny Perry, great guy, just a wonderful, cares as much about your life as you get paid to care about his. And, oh, God, I could go on and on. Davis Love, terrific guy. Uh, but then there are a lot of other, you know, lesser players uh, who are, I really enjoyed talking to and learned from. I'll tell you what, the guy I learned, I probably learned more about the ins and outs, the minutiae of, of PGA Tour golf. I probably learned more from Jim McKay, better known as Bones, Bones the yeah. caddy, longtime caddy for Phil Mickelson. Such a bright guy. And we get, to, we get snippets of it now that he does. Uh, he's an on-course uh, reporter for, for NBC. And you get a little bit of it, but to be able to have a conversation with him, I remember the day after a British Open. I don't remember which one we he we met we met at Kings Barnes, and I played. He didn't want to play, you know. He didn't want to play. He wanted to caddy for me. And I was embarrassed. I said, "You can't caddy for me. I'm a chop. You know, I'm not. I'm not complete chop, but I'm a chop." But uh, yeah, he said, "No, no. I just want to spend the day, Walker." I'll tell you what. I learned more about reading greens and. Just more about the light of the land wow. from Jim McKay that day than I'd probably learned by myself over the previous 20 years. It, it was really an enlightening experience. So lots of guys have shaped my whatever, whatever uh, golf intelligence I have has been shaped by a lot of people. And I think that's one thing a reporter is obligated to do is listen well. Listen and learn. It, it can't hurt when it comes to... When it comes time to putting your fingers on those keys, it, it helps to do so with confidence and competence. So I got two questions left for you, John. One was, what was the hardest story you ever had to write? Um, probably, well, a couple come to mind. <laughs> 98, the 97 British, which I mentioned on the big show. Um, might have been when Fred Couples' first wife committed suicide. That was that's tough. A story that we had no choice, but we had to do it. I mean, it was a yeah, yeah. It was, it was a big deal for a few days, and to have to go. I happened to be covering the the memorial when it happened, and I had to approach Fred, and Fred and I were pretty good friends, but that didn't make it. That probably made it worse. Um, that was hard. Uh, I know they'd been divorced for a while and that there were, it was an acrimonious parting and, but that doesn't make any difference. We were talking about somebody's life. Right. And we were talking about somebody who had taken their own life. And I just think it was, uh, there was a sense of, I felt kind of dirty, you know? Yeah. Um, I felt kind of cheap and, um, but just, you have a job to do, and, and sometimes, well, it has to be done, and sometimes you're going to have to deal with the pangs of guilt that might come from asking somebody oh, yeah. questions about something like that. Yeah, that's tough. Okay, my last question. <clears throat> what have you learned? Well, I've learned that golf is an awesome game, that the people who play it are people of great character and for the most part, very honest, very credible, very respectful. And I think my feelings about the game 
uh, are the roots of, of what I've learned. I think from the guys who play it better than anybody in the world, and I'm fond of saying about golf, the better you get playing it, the harder it is. Um, I think it's a fascinating game. It's It's got some terrific qualities. I think it has some inherent problems, but for the most part, it's the best game on earth. It's outdoors. It moves at a, at a, at a pretty leisurely pace. I know we'd all like it to move a little bit quicker, and we're working on that. Sure. But chance to engage in camaraderie and competition and also competing against yourself and all those factors combined and just make it a, a, a special endeavor. And it's one I'll always treasure and, and, and appreciate. Yep. Good, good, good. Uh, John Hawkins, John, how can they find Hawk and Perk? Your podcast. Well, go to morningread.com and, and, uh, we do a podcast every Tuesday for Wednesday, and we're also on iTunes, Hawk and Perk, pretty easy to find. Hit the purple button to subscribe, and uh, voila, it'll, it'll appear in your inbox uh, that Tuesday afternoon. But uh, Hawk, and, uh, Hawk and Perk are on morningread.com and iTunes. So uh, check us out. We're pretty unfiltered and uh, pretty straight. Straight to the point. I appreciate it. I always do. John, thanks. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and really enjoyed having you on the show and then the after hours. And we will do it again if that's all right with you. Likewise. We'd love to do it again, JT. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Believe me. Folks, we'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. Until then, take care. Um, be nice to people out there. <laughs>